As you know, we're starting our Power to Create series this morning. And the reason why we're doing that is because we, we're looking at 2018 and we're saying it's going to be a good year already. All right? we, we're looking at 2018 and we're saying it starts now. We, we, we're looking ahead and the idea behind the series is to empower you for 2018. And the reason being because our minister recently declared that there is not even a glimmer of hope for our economy in South Africa and that drastic steps are needed. And there's lots of other reports going out about the economy in South Africa. And what we need right now is we need the word and we need power to flow from heaven to earth into our lives so that we can go out and we can create, so we can go out and build, so that we can go out and create jobs and employment and assets and wealth and turn the economy around. It starts with us as the people of God. So that's what we're going to be looking at. It's a five-part series. We're going to be looking at finances, multiplying finances, God's principles for success and wealth creation, all of that sort of stuff. How many of you were at the Robin Banks Mind Power Seminar this week? You can raise your hand. It's okay. Don't be afraid. You're there. No one. Okay. I was there. This, um, I went to go find out what the world was saying about financial wealth and how to create financial wealth. So I went to the, the Robin Bank seminar this week. It was at a hotel in Umflanga. And, um, and you know what? There was a lot of Bible going on there. In fact, just about everything was Bible, um, except the word was never mentioned, Bible. But there was, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Uh, we need to take responsibility for our lives, take our ca- thoughts captive. I mean, it was literally like sitting in church most of the time, you know, talking about the power of the mind, the power of your thoughts, the power of speaking. It was all in there. The only thing missing was God <laughs> in the equation. So it kind of like felt like everything was there. And I, I walked out of the seminar um, really grateful that I don't just have to rely on my own thoughts, but that I have a God who loves me and his thoughts are above my thoughts <laughs> and his ways are above my ways. And he is able to empower me. It's not all dependent just on me. Um, but it was, it was just interesting to be there. <clears throat> and, um, just also giving you a heads up on the 2nd of December, we're doing our, our marketplace ministry in the church is doing a all-day workshop, financial workshop, where uh, we're going to be talking about saving money, stewarding money, and we're going to have breakaway sessions on how to budget and for employed people, unemployed people, um, for entrepreneurs, everyone. So please diarize that. We're going to have sign-up forms going out soon so that you can register for that. Sunday, the 3rd of December is Market Sunday. We're going to be having a pop-up stall Sunday. So if you have a stall, a hobby, uh, a product, something that you make, something that you sell, and you would like to take a table, um, please chat to us and and let us know because that Sunday we want to have all the pop-up stalls happening in church and we can come shopping. Amen? And support each other and find out who's doing what. Is that cool? Um, Then also just to note on, on... on Wednesdays, I'm going to be doing a weekly podcast on this, and I'm going to be picking up on uh, some of the stuff that we're preaching about, but I'm also going to be doing some interviews with people um, in the area of finances, and I'll also be addressing questions that you might have as well. So if you have a question as we're going through the series about God and finances, there's an SMS line with a number up there on the screen that you can send your questions to, all right? 
You can do it anonymously if you like, or you can put your name. It doesn't matter, all right? Um, but I would, I'm hoping to get to some of those questions in the, in the weekly podcast and in some of our interviews. And when I'm interviewing some people, um, maybe I'll even put the questions to those people as well. So that's just the admin around the series. So we're all on the same page. Amen? Amen. It's going to be good. It's going to be very good. So let's go to the Word this morning. We're going to start with Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18, which is really our anchor scripture for the series this morning. Father, as we we come to your Word this morning, we just humble ourselves and we just put all our, our history aside for a moment and we ask that you would speak to us, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would... Come and fill this message with revelation knowledge for every life here, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would touch every life here this morning. I pray that where we might be confused, Lord, or or in doubt, that, Lord, your word would come this morning and it would transform something on the inside of us so that we can lay a hold of what you've called us to be in this life, Lord. Lord, we don't want to miss out on anything. We want to live lives of purpose and meaning and significance. And it all starts with your word this morning, Father God. Your word coming in and landing in our hearts in fertile soil. And and roots coming out deep into our belief system. And growing up into our actions and coming out of our mouths, Lord. And I pray this morning that the seed that's sown would be good seed, Father God. And that it would be landing on good soil this morning, Lord. That we would be a people this morning ready to receive and become what you've called us to be. Amen. So this morning's message is entitled, um, Clearing the Financial, sorry, Clearing the Fog Around Faith and Finances. All right, that's what I want to just talk about this morning. How many of you know that there is some fog around the issue of faith? And finances. It is a very, actually, it's a very contentious topic, especially when you bring it into the church realm. Now, when you come into church, what you find is, is that some people, when you talk about money, they get excited. They are full of faith about it. They're like, yes, Jesus has called us to prosper and take dominion. But then you bring money, this topic of money into the church, and some people are like, ah, the church wants money, there's an agenda here, and they get really mad when you talk about money. And so there's this, like, when we talk about money in church, it's like, it's almost like there's the splits in the church. And there's those on the one side who say, God has called us to prosper, God wants to make us rich. And then on on the other side, we have people saying, God wants us to forsake everything and sacrifice our lives and lay down our lives and, and go into the nations like Wari did. <laughs> and so there's this, there's this confusion. There's this one message going out, sacrifice your life, lay everything down, forsake your life. And then on the other side, God wants to prosper you. And we're like, yes, God wants to prosper me. But then also I need to lay down my life. So how do I reconcile the two? Does he prosper me? Or is it this is the moment to lay down? Must I lay down, Lord? Must I lay down? Or must I... Must I, is it prosper time? Is it, okay, we're prospering. No, no, no. As we prosper, we lay down. And we, we're confused about this thing. Is God called, really want me to prosper? 
Or, or does he want me just to have enough for my needs to be met? And we just leave it there like there's a, there's a line and I need to cap it there. And anything more than that, you're being ungrateful, you're being selfish, you're being, you're being greedy, you're being covetous, you're being materialistic. You, you know, there's all the, and, and then we don't know where that line is. And so are we there? And, and then we go, Lord, can I have this? But, but it, and then there's a little voice, but you've been greedy. Just be happy. Just be happy with it. You know what I'm talking about this morning? I'm not the only one this morning. And then, you know, on the other side, we really want to stand in faith for stuff. And, 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 and we want to, you know, see God move. But then sometimes we're just feeling like maybe I should just be content. You know, maybe this is like a distraction. So is it a distraction or is it our identity? Is it, is it, is it materialism or is it faith and standing on what God has promised? This morning, what I want us to do is I want us to go look at the Bible, okay? And we're going to start in the Old Testament, and we're going to end in the New Testament. So we're going to go right the way through the Bible this morning. And what I want to do is I want to show you a picture all the way through Scripture of God's intention for our lives. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to allow the Bible to talk to us, And the goal behind this morning is that you are going to leave here this morning. This is my aim this morning, okay? This is, you can measure me at the end of this, all right? (laughs) The goal this morning is that you're going to leave here not confused. In fact, what I want this morning is for you to walk out of the door full of faith, knowing exactly what God has called you to do and what you can trust Him for. I want you to leave this morning with a good theology around this topic of faith and finances. Something that you can cling to and go into your home and know what you need to do here. Go into your job and know what you need to do here. Go look at society and know what you need to do over here. That you will have an anchor inside of you. That you will have the Word of God as a foundation, as a, as a plumb line in your heart, knowing how God thinks about this thing, what He wants about this thing, in, and in particular for your life. Amen? So, so we're, so I'm teaching this morning, okay? We're, we're going into Bible school this morning and we're going to learn and we're going to look at the scriptures and I want to, I want you just to allow the scriptures to shape your mind, okay? Because I know there's so much confusion. You turn on that TV and it's like, you know, so money and God will make you rich. And then you think, is this, should I, is it, isn't it? You know, and then there's other people who say, forsake everything. Don't, you know, Jesus was poor and we should, you know, we shouldn't be caught up in all this materialism and look at what the world's become. And and then you think, but yeah, that sounds all right. But that one also sounds all right. What is right? Okay, let's get to the word this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's get to the word. So we'll start with Deuteronomy 8 verse 18. And it says the following. It says, you shall remember. Can you say remember? remember? Remember. Let's read it together. And you shall Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get, create, produce wealth, that He may establish His covenant which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Okay, the first thing we need to do is we need to remember the Lord our God, okay? Just to give you some context to the scripture, this is Moses speaking, and he's addressing the entire nation of Israel. They'd come out of Egypt and wandering through the wilderness. They're about to possess the promised land. And this is really a state of the nation address. This is Sona. 
I don't know what the year was, okay? It was Sona something, something, something BC, all right? And, and, he's, and he's, they're just about to go into the promised land. And the idea is that this land is going to be fruitful and prosperous. And God's going to bless their socks off in this land. And he's like, guys, remember that when you go in there, remember and you start to like you enjoy all this wealth and everything that god has just remember that it is god who gives you that ability to produce that wealth and what he's saying is that really you know wealth there's a danger around wealth you know when when you can get when you get wealth the, the thing about wealth is it can make you lazy prideful arrogant it can make you think like you don't really need God because you've got everything that you really need and, and you can be distracted by it. And you, there's, a, there's a trap with wealth. Okay, so they had to firstly remember that it's God who gives them the power to create wealth. And that's something we need to remember that as well, that in this passage here, God is giving power so that they can create wealth. Right? He is, he's moving in their lives, giving them something, giving them ability, giving them thoughts, giving them opening doors to them, giving them land, giving them opportunities, stuff, so that they can create wealth. So I want you to see first picture that we're seeing here this morning is God wanting them to have wealth, God wanting to empower them to have wealth. Notice that it doesn't say that God gave them the wealth, He gave them the the power to get wealth. So He gives us the ability. So we don't over-spiritualize this thing as well, okay? Like it's just going to... There it is. Woohoo! We have it. There's, there's something we have to do in the process as well. Okay? So remember the Lord your God for is He who gives you the power to create wealth that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Question here I have this morning is what is this covenant that He's talking about? You know, Moses is telling the people that God wants them to go and establish and have wealth, and he's going to empower them to get wealth. But the reason why he's doing it is because he made a covenant to Abraham, we know. Okay, he's their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all right? So he made an agreement with them, and because of that agreement, God now sees that he will empower this nation to go and be prosperous. So... What is this agreement? What is this covenant that Moses is talking about? He's talking about the, the agreement he had that God made with Abraham. And when God made, God came to Abraham, he chose Abraham, and that's, he's the father of our faith, he's called, and he, and he starts with Abraham and he begins to work in the world through Abraham and Abraham's generations that follow him. And you see three things when God comes to Abraham. He makes three commitments to Abraham. And Covenant, for those of you who don't know the word, it's, it's really commitment. Like, it's the highest level of commitment. It's, it's like the marriage covenant, all right? So marriage is, is not like an agreement like we sign here. Yes, we do that some, to fulfill South African law or whatever, but it's a covenant. It's a, it's a, I'm putting my everything into this thing. It's not just like when it gets tough, I'm out of this thing, okay? I'm, I'm covenanting to this thing. So, so when we see on TV... These programs, Married at First Sight and, and stuff like that. Th those things are actually an abomination, just so you know. That's, that's, that's not what marriage is meant to be, okay? So we don't watch that stuff, eh? Just checking. 
Just checking. <laughs> Some nervous laughs this morning. Feel the conviction, all right? Feel it. These are the agreements he made with Abraham. This is the covenant. This is what he said, I am committed to doing in your life. Number one, I'm going to be, to be God to you and your descendants. I'm not going to leave you to just suffer in your sin and in your condition. I will be your God. And not only you, but your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' 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 kids all the way down. I am committing to you and the generations that follow you to be God to you. You will be mine and I will be yours. Okay, so it was firstly a commitment of God to them. So I'm going to save you. I'm going to deliver you. I will be your God. You can call on me and I will hear you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you can kind of just stop there. Hey, that's enough, isn't it? We have a God. You know, when I walked out of the Robin Bank seminar, I was just like so grateful that I have a God. <laughs> I have a God who's committed to me, who, who knows me, who loves me, who's got a plan for my life. It's not just all dependent on me. I'm not just the master of my own universe. All right. So he made that commitment. Then he said, I will be, you will be Abraham, the father of many nations, and I will make your name great. The second thing that he committed to in Abraham's life was he committed to giving Abraham a meaningful and significant and purposeful life. How many of you noticed that when you gave your life to Jesus? Suddenly now you have purpose and meaning and significance. You were wandering around, wasting your life on a whole bunch of stuff. But then God came in and he said, I'll be your God. And a result of that is that you will live a significant life. You will play a role in my master plan for the earth and for the salvation of the earth. So meaning and significance. And then the third box, the third commitment he made is he said, and I will bless you. And then he actually goes on and says, I will multiply you exceedingly as well. Now, a lot of us, when we read this blessing, what we do is we go to box number one and we go to be our to be God to you and you're just saying and we put a tick over there and we say yeah awesome and then we go to the next one a life of meaning and significance and we go tick awesome but then we get to the box three over there and we we get contentious <laughs> we get like yeah I can definitely know that he wants me to have a meaningful life I definitely know that he wants to be my God but this whole idea of him blessing me i'm not really sure about that one like maybe maybe when he said that to abraham maybe he just meant that like blessing of like peace and joy and that warm feeling inside your heart that just i'm loved and he loves me and that's when he says he's going to bless me like i'll feel his presence when i have my quiet time and like and and we, sometimes we over-spiritualize it. But when you look at the Word of God and you go follow the Scriptures that unfold from this moment onwards, you can only come to one conclusion. And that is that that blessing was not just that, but it was material blessing as well. Let's let the Bible speak this morning, okay? He carries on, Moses carries on in Deuteronomy, the same book, all right? And he says this when he talks about the blessing. He says this, God will give rain for your land in its season. Early rain and latter rain, 
that you may gather grain and your new wine and your oil. And I will give grass in your fields for your cattle that you may eat and be full. In other words, your business will prosper. But there will be, and in Deuteronomy 15, he says, and there will be no poor among you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He says in Deuteronomy 15, you will lend to many nations and you shall not borrow. Guys, these are material things. Lending, borrowing. Can, can, I just, can we just have a little moment here and just pause for a second? If you've had to buy a house, a car, clothing, or pay for your studies on a loan, like you got money so that you could do it and it was money that you had to pay back, can you stand to your feet this morning? Don't be, don't be ashamed. I'm on my feet. I have a bond. If you've borrowed money to pay for those things, a car, a house, your studies, your, your student loan, your clothes, your, your hi-fi set, your surround, surround sound, your TV, your, your phone, your phone even. If you've had to borrow money to pay off, are you paying off your phone on a phone contract? Huh? No, Langer, I can't say that. Some of you don't want to stand up no matter what I say this morning. Okay. All right, this is interesting. Have a good look around here this morning. Okay. I would say I'm guesstimating about 90% of us are standing up this morning. 90% of us. Okay. If, if we have to think about going and getting the next asset that we're trusting for, most of us are thinking about going to a bank to get it. Most of us are thinking about a loan and where can we get the best interest. Am I right? Okay. Now, the word and the promise to, to, to Mo, Moses, uh, to the children of Israel through Moses, was that they will be the lenders and not the borrowers. So when they wanted to like go buy seed or all the things, their house or whatever, they, they had enough to do all of that stuff. And, they, and then other nations were coming to them and saying, hey, we need to buy a house. We need to, can we take a loan? And they were giving out. I think something's wrong when I look around. I think, I think something is wrong. And I think when I look at this picture that 90% of us are standing on our feet, I think there's something wrong. I think there needs to be a change. Amen? Okay, take your seats before I'm getting ahead of myself here. Yeah. Getting ahead of myself. All right. He carries on in Deuteronomy and he says, The Lord will bless the produce in all the works of your hands so that you'll be joyful. In Deuteronomy 28, he starts to list the blessing that he's talking about there. And he says, you'll be blessed in the city, in the field, in your body, in in your beasts, in your cattle, in your basket, in your trough, in your home, as you go in, as you go out. These are very material things we're talking about here. These are not warm, fuzzy feelings, okay? This this is very material, practical, tangible things, homes, work, assets. There's no way we can over-spiritualize this blessing that was on Abraham. And it was that blessing that God wanted to put on the children of Israel. And that's what he was saying to Moses. He says, I want them to have what was on Abraham as well. Okay, so... It didn't just start and finish with Abraham. 
but it continued throughout the generations to even this moment where Moses is addressing the nation of Israel. Let's look at that blessing on Abraham as well. Genesis 24, 35, it says the following. The Lord has blessed my master greatly. He has become great, and he has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male and female servants, camels and donkeys. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty material to me. Then you look at his son Isaac, and it says the following in Genesis 26:12. It says, Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. It was actually in a time of famine. And the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became, can you say very prosperous? Very prosperous. So he prospered until he became very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great numbers of service, servants. And so the Philistines envied him. That's Abraham to Isaac. If you go look at Jacob, you'll see the same thing. Large flocks, exceedingly prosperous servants, camels, donkeys. Go down to Joseph. And even though Joseph's life was hijacked by his brothers and he was sold into slavery, stuff happened to him that should never have happened to him. Even though that stuff happened to him and he ended up as a slave, God still prospered him in that place. When he was in Potiphar's house, the Bible says that God prospered him so much that Potiphar put him in charge of the house and God blessed Potiphar's house just because Joseph was there. And even when he went to prison thereafter, another thing that came against him. How many of you had stuff come against you in your life? Things that you didn't, you didn't, that should never have happened to you. They happened to you. But we see that despite whatever is coming against Joseph, there's this other power at work in his life that's taking him above that and beyond that. Yeah, the stuff happens, but the end result is that he comes out better. That God turns all of those things into his good and then establishes him as the, basically the head of an entire nation. <laughs> that, when God said to Abraham, I will bless you and the generations after you, that blessing went straight into his life, into his son's life, into his grandkids' life, and into his great-grandkids' life in such a way that nothing could stop it. And then we see the nation of Israel prospering in Egypt, becoming so large that the Egyptians start to fear what's going on here. And through some crafty scheme, they economically marginalize these people. And through some crafty scheme, they become slaves in Egypt to the, and, and their bondage becomes great. But this blessing is still there. <laughs> And Moses comes and God says, I've heard the cry of my people and I'm coming to take them out of their place of poverty and lack and struggle. I'm taking them out of their place of hardship and not knowing where they're going to, you know, get their next meal from. And they're struggling every month to pay their bills and they're under the whip every month. And they, they, they're in the cycle of debt and they're in the cycle of slavery. I don't want them there. God says he doesn't actually want them there. And then he sends a deliverer, praise God we have a God. That even if we end up in a place like that, he doesn't want us to be there. He actually doesn't want us to be there. He does, he moves heaven and earth, literally in that case, to get them out of that place. And what does he say? I will bring them into a land flowing with... <laughs> you know it. You know it. <laughs> Milk and... Honey, not money, milk and honey, all right? 
He didn't want them there. He wanted them there. And through great signs and wonders and miracles, he took them into that place. If we look at the Old Testament, we've just started. We've just started. Okay, there's much more I could show you in the Old Testament. But from that point on, it is obvious that the blessing of God is a material blessing. All right. It is, it is, it's, it's that he'll be our God, that we'll have lives of meaning and stuff. But there's also a material component to it, a very big material component to it. And you see that throughout the line as Israel, Israel goes on this journey. Now we come to the New Testament. Can you say H? This is, you know, if we could close the book there, we've all got faith right now. Amen. My job is done, amen? Like, you can walk out of here. Ah, I'm not confused anymore. <laughs> I know what he wants. But now we have to go look at the New Testament this morning as well. And what do we see in the New Testament? We see Jesus was born poor. And we know that because he was born in a manger. And we know that because of the gifts that his parents offered when they brought him to the temple. We know that those were poor man's gifts. We know that his disciples left everything to follow him. We know that the Apostle Paul spoke freely about being in hunger, in nakedness, in peril, and suffering in many ways. And then we look at Matthew 6, and Jesus said, Don't lay up treasures on earth where moths and rust come and destroy it, and thieves break in and steal it. Rather, lay up treasures where? In heaven, where neither moths nor rust nor thieves break in to steal it. For why? For where your treasure is. And we're like, ah. I want to go back to the Old Testament, Lord. I want to be like Abraham. Now there's, oh, now treasure's in heaven. That's okay. Now this is where it starts getting a little confusing. And then a little bit later, in the same chapter, he says, guys, you can't serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other. Or you'll be devoted to this one, and you'll despise this one. You can't serve God and mammon, deceitful riches. Okay, ish. Now we're like, money's got this like deceitful component to it, and it's evil, and it's fighting with me for God, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to serve that one. I want to, you know, can't serve two masters, so we axe this one, we kill this thing. Okay. Then in Luke 18, he said, when this this rich young ruler came to him. And, and, and he said, sell all that you have. And I'll give you riches in heaven. And then you can be my disciple. And we're like, oh. If I give my life to Jesus, I'm going to have to sell. You know, this is the reason why I, I was like avoiding God. One of the biggest reasons why I was avoiding it. Come on, thank you. Thank you. You're agreeing with me was avoiding God because I was worried. I knew if I gave my life, he'll call me into the ministry. I knew that. I knew he was going to do that. And then he was going to send me to the Congo or somewhere deep where there's nowhere. There's like, he's going to send me there as a missionary. I'm going to live in a tent and I'm going to have mosquitoes eating me. And I'm going to teach the Bible to people and I'm just going to have nothing, you know? So I was avoiding God. I was just like, I don't know if I want that, you know. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That poor rich young ruler. We preached on him before. I don't have time to go into it this morning. But then he, then he says to, to this rich young ruler, he, he says, um, how, after this, he's talking to his disciples and he says, yo. He didn't say yo. 
but you can kind of see it in there. <laughs> How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heart? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And we're thinking about needles and camels and you got riches and you want to now get into heaven. Like if I'm going to be rich, I'm not going to be in heaven. This is how, this is how, this is where it's going, right? This is where this thing looks like it's heading. And then he doesn't stop there. And he goes on and talks about this guy called Lazarus who was poor. But like really poor where he'd lie on the streets and, you know, dogs would lick his sores every day. He was really poor. And then there was this rich guy who's unnamed. Okay, and he has everything, and he's, he's Gucci Armani, and he's like eating and feasting, and Nando's for every day. You know what I mean? He's like, this guy's rocking a, you know, nice convertible, and and then there's this guy, and then there's this guy, and then he says this, and he says, this, and both of them die. And we're like, oh, okay, what happens? It's either up or down, hey? So the poor man goes. And the rich guy? Now we know he goes down. We know he goes down. So, so this is, so the, the, the poor guy gets in, okay? And then the rich guy doesn't get in, alright? And so now we're even more convinced, like, yo, this thing. Money. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, 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 uh. He carried on in Luke 12. That wasn't enough for us. He spoke about this other rich guy. Whose fields produced so much, and he looked at his barns and he was like, What am I gonna do? I've got too much produce. I'm not even gonna be able to store it in my barns. And then he gets this idea I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tear down my barns. I'm gonna build bigger barns. Doesn't that sound like wisdom? It sounds like wisdom, you know? Put them down so you can make bigger, enlarge the place of your tent, yeah? Yeah? Amen? Build bigger barns. Put in, and then he says, and then I'll just eat, drink, be merry, chill out, have a good life. How many of you would dream about the lottery? Huh? Okay, this guy hit the lottery, all right? And then what are you going to do after that? Not going to worry ever again. It's just going to be, you know? That's what this guy was thinking, okay? So you're not far off from this guy, okay? Yeah. <laughs> So, so then there's this guy, and, he, and then Jesus says, you fool. Don't you know that this night your soul is required of you? Then whose goods will all these be? And he says, so it is with everyone who is, um, lays up wealth for himself and is not rich towards God. Now we go, you're double, triple, quadruple, ash, carries on. You know, talking about the love of money being the root of all evil. And the result is what? The result is where we pretty much are today. We see this amazing thing happening in the Old Testament, this blessing of Abraham going down the generations. And then we come into the New Testament and we see all of these scriptures and we find ourselves in a dilemma for finances. Money is something we need, but it's something we're afraid of as well as Christians. It's no wonder that throughout the centuries, money has been seen in Christian Christian Christianity, that's the word. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, sorry. It's been seen throughout the centuries in Christianity as something evil. And we even have like this history, you know, of the church seeing money as something that's really wrong. And we even see people taking vows of poverty. 
vows to say, you know what, I... Some of you are resisting that thing, you know? <laughs> vows of poverty because we believe that we can better serve God without material stuff. And we're not sure. As we sit here this morning, we know these two stories, we hear these scriptures, and we're not sure here this morning is what we can stand in faith for. We become unsure about what we can buy, what we can't buy. Or when are we greedy? When are we not being greedy? When are we being materialistic? When are we not being materialistic? What can we have faith for? Should, or sh- should I be standing in faith or should I just be content? I must content this one. I'm trusting, I don't know if it's like being needy or greedy or whatever, Lord, but I'm hoping, but I'm also content, eh? Like I'm, un- I'm not ungrateful. I'm not like that rich guy you read about. I'm not there, Lord, you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? All right. Well, that New Testament picture of finances is is one picture that is proclaimed. There is another picture in the New Testament when it comes to finances. In Matthew 6, the same chapter that we were talking about earlier, where he talks about laying up treasures in uh, in heaven and not on earth, Jesus also said this. He said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things... Clothes, food, houses, cars, all these things will be given you besides. They will be added into your life when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Oh, okay, that's all right. So we're seeing that actually when Jesus is talking these strong warnings and, and stuff, what he's actually doing is he's just... He's warning us against what could go wrong, but actually what we see is that when we get it right in our hearts, there is a blessing. There is something that he wants to add. He wants to add all these things to us. In Luke 18, the same way he spoke about the rich man being hard to enter into the kingdom, the disciples came to him and said, well, who can get into the kingdom? Um, And we've left everything to follow you. He said this to them, there's no one who's left family or houses or whatever for the sake of the kingdom who will not receive 10 times as much in the age to come and in this age. You. So if God's asking me to sacrifice something for the kingdom, there's a 10 times blessing that flows thereafter. So this is, so can we just get a good picture of Jesus here for a moment? There's this warning about wealth, all right, and how to steward it. And, and, and then there's this blessing of wealth if, there's, if, we, if we make sure that these conditions are met in our lives. So there's this warning, but there's these conditions. This is the same Jesus who told Peter to cast his nets on the other side, and the catch was so great that they weren't able to pull in the harvest of fish. That's basically saying he got a tender and he had to multiply his businesses so that he could cope with how awesome this tender was, all right? Can we just pause on that for a moment? He fished all night looking for fish, trying to get fish. That was his living. That was his, that's what he did, looking for provision. Jesus arrives in the morning and says, just cast your nets on the other side. And Peter's like, Lord, we've fished all night. You know, that's when you catch fish, Jesus. You don't really catch them now. It's over. We didn't get anything. But at your word, we'll do it. And on the word of Jesus, they acted and they saw the harvest come in. What do you need? You need the word. 
You need the word. At the word, at your word, Jesus, we need to be people who hear the word of God. At your word, Jesus, I'm going to phone that person. At your word, Jesus, I'm going to start this business. At your word, Jesus, I'm going to apply at this job. But, but I've tried in so many other places and I've tried it. No, but, but you've spoken now. And at your word, I'm going to believe and I'm going to act. And what happens when we act on his word? There's a, an abundance. There's a provision that begins to flow. This is the same Jesus who supernaturally multiplied bread and fish for thousands of people and who multiplied wine at a wedding, all right, to keep the party going. The same Jesus who said that if my words, if my words remain in you and continue to live in your heart, you can ask for anything and it shall be done for you. Um, Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 9. He said, God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you, earthly blessing, come to you in abundance so that you may always, under all circumstances and whatever the need, no matter what the economy is doing, no matter what everybody else is saying, no matter the fact that people are getting retrenched, no matter what's going on, no matter what the circumstances, you will always have enough and be self-sufficient, possessing enough to, and, and you won't need or aid or support or any, anything else to come in and you'll be able to do good works. You'll be generous to others. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the blessing on Abraham and Isaac. That, that sounds to me like exactly what Isaac... There was a time of famine. Isaac sowed in a time of famine. He got more than enough and he was able to lend out. All right? Expand. Despite the circumstances. 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you will prosper in all things. Can you say prosper in all things? And be in health in case you're thinking I was talking about your health. Just as your soul prospers in case you're thinking I was only talking about your soul. I pray that you would prosper in all things. Listen, guys, I want you to know that this is, as an eldership team, this is our prayer for you. That you would prosper in all things. And that you would be in health. Amen? And that you will prosper in your soul, in your, in your makeup, love, joy, peace, patience. Man, that's what we want for you. And then in Timothy 6, it says, God, trust in God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. So there is another side to the New Testament. There's not just warnings. We see supernatural provision we see uh, prayers for prosperity. We see a desire in church leaders for people to prosper. We, we see God providing in amazing ways in the New Testament. And for, the, for us, we live in the New Testament. Amen? Amen. 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 We live in the New Testament. We live in this covenant. Okay? And, and so there are multiple testimonies where we see God giving people ideas in the last whatever church history we have, we see thousands upon thousands of testimonies where God gives ideas, God gives inventions, God gives insight, He gives wisdom, He gives words of knowledge so that we can prosper. I remember still thinking, not really sure what I wanted to do with my life and God came and spoke to me and I was, I was renting a flat, like a two-bedroom bachelor, unmarried, <laughs> 
And I didn't know what to do with my life. And, and the owner came to my flat and he said, listen, I'm going to put this flat on the market. If you don't buy it, I'm selling it. And I was just like, oh, I don't have money to buy it, you know. So, like, he's going to have to sell it. I remember going back into my, into my room and God spoke to me so clearly. And he said, Wayne, buy the flat. I was like, what? At your word. At your word. So I said, <clears throat> Mr. Landlord. I'll buy the flat. <laughs> he was like, oh, awesome. I'll bring the papers around. I was like, awesome. <laughs> and then I tried to duck him as much as possible. To eventually, I just doom, 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 I heard this knock on my door one night. I don't know how he got in the building. All right. He didn't hit my buzzer. All right. And there he was at the door with the papers saying, here you go. And I was like, oh, cool. So, so okay, awesome. I'll, I'll take a look through. And he says, no, 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 it's what I've emailed you already. I, I need you to sign it tonight. I was like, ah. <laughs> so there I am, like, holding this piece of paper, knowing how much the legal fees cost. I don't have this much money. I'm still actually just trying to pay off my car every month. I remember sitting down at the table. He's going, yeah, yeah, it's all, it's all like we said, yeah. He's like, initial on each page. So I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, initial. <laughs> Initial, my hands shaking so much. I just, I was in, like, am I doing something dumb? Am I, da, da, da. and then I felt the supernatural peace of God come upon me and it was like, Wayne, sign that thing. And I was just like, last page, <laughs> biggest signature ever I'd done. I was like, Lord, you did it. I felt the peace of God. I knew I was doing what God wanted me to do. I don't know how the money came in for the lawyers and the transfer fees and everything, but it came in supernaturally. That flat quadrupled in value in one year. In one year, it quadrupled in value and basically enabled Trish and I to get a start in life. You know, Otherwise, we, would, we wouldn't have been able to buy properties or anything later thereafter. It was like from that moment. And so, I don't know, I look back at that moment and I go, what's going on here? God wants us to prosper. God wants it. He doesn't want us trapped in cycles of debt and everything. And He actually supernaturally intervenes in our lives to prosper us so that we're not slaves to some system at the end of the day. I can tell you countless stories of, a, you know, our church in the East. We heard about the Philippines here. They were about to buy their building and they were thinking of taking a loan to buy it so they could keep their cash reserves. And God spoke to them and said, buy it cash. Don't take a bond. They bought it cash supernaturally God intervened in their whole thing and a year within that year the economy crashed so badly interest rates went sky high through the roof that if they had a bond on that property they would have lost it but God foresaw what they didn't know gave them a word of knowledge in the now to prepare them to be prosperous in a future that was possibly bleak. Did he not do the same thing with Joseph? This is a plan. This is a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, because there's a time of famine coming, and you will be prepared for it. What does this tell us about God? It tells us that he wants us to prosper, that he really wants us to prosper, and, and he moves in our lives to lead us in the way of prosperity. To seal the deal this morning, Galatians 3, verse 13. Are you still Okay. Galatians 3.13 says the following. Can we read it together? Just so I know you're awake. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, 
Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Are you getting slightly excited this morning? No, I'm not really. I don't know if you really got that, okay? The cur- what is the curse of the law? In Deuteronomy 28, you'll read the blessings if they obey, and you'll read the curses if they don't obey. One of the, cur- the, cur- the blessing is you will lend to nations and you won't borrow. Blessed in your basket, blessed in everything. Blessed, 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 okay? In the curse, it's you're going to have to borrow. You're going to have to... you'll become slaves. You'll gather your thing and you won't be able to enjoy it. There's this curse. And it was all based on the law of God. So if we follow the law of God, we will experience the blessing of God. If we don't follow the God, then we become enslaved and trapped in cycles of debt and, and our economy fails as well. Okay? And this is telling us, this scripture is telling us that Christ came to redeem us from that law. Why? Because that law is so hard (laughs) that we, we're gonna mess up at some point. Amen? Morally and, and, and in our finances, we make wrong choices. We make bad decisions. I've made bad decisions. You make bad decisions. You know, we all do. We go into the shop and we like, we know we shouldn't buy it. And we, we buy it. Because why? It was on discount. But we still didn't have the money, so we charged it. You know, we make mistakes and stuff. And so we're not entitled really to the blessing of God because we're messing up the law so much. But God saw that and he was like, you know what? I'm going to send my son and he will become a curse. He will become poor so that you can be rich. He will take on the full curse so that you can have the blessing from where? Where does he go to? So that the blessing of? Mike, come on. Who's the Gentiles? Can you say, I'm the Gentiles? I'm the Gentiles. Do you want to be in the say, I'm the Gentiles? <laughs> that the blessing of who might come on who? What is the blessing of Abraham? Who remembers them? Three things. What were they? That he'll be our God. Life of meaning and significance. And... And what kind of blessing was that? That from the time of Abraham, throughout the ages and throughout the New Testament, what we see is a God of continuity. A God who never actually changed the plan. That the same thing, that's why through faith, you call Abraham your father. The Bible says that if you believe in Jesus, you're of faith. And because Abraham believed God... And he was of faith, that he became the father of our faith, so that you then are a child of Abraham as well. Which means you're included in the blessing of Abraham. I don't know about you, but I get excited whenever I read that. I'm like, I read that blessing on Abraham, I'm like, I want that thing. I want that thing. Amen? Do you want that thing? I hope you do this morning, because it's awesome. I'm going to summarize this for you. Can I summarize? Okay, and then I'll conclude, all right? The New Testament gives us some serious warnings when it comes to wealth. This is what it says when it comes to wealth. Would you go to the next slide, please? It says, don't trust in it. Amen? We're not trusting in our life insurance. We're not trusting in our jobs or our employers or the economy. We're not putting our trust here. We're putting our trust where? In God. Despite the circumstances, despite what we're facing. 
Don't crave it. Amen. Oh, but I want it. I can see myself driving it. Don't crave it. Don't let it rule in your life. Don't let your life become chasing after it. And on that, don't get arrogant about it. If you've got it, don't think that you're more important than people who don't got it. Because wealth has this incredible ability to make you prideful and think, well, this person doesn't even, isn't, you know, they're not as educated as me. They don't live where I live. So this person is less than me. That's arrogance. And the Bible, New Testament warns against it. Okay, so I've taken all the scriptures of money in the New Testament and I've summarized it into this for you. Don't be arrogant with it. Don't be attached to it. Like, and that means not being able to let it go. But, I, but what about me, Lord? Come on, give. And it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Be generous with it. Don't be so attached to it that you can't give it. Don't hoard it. Hoard it means you, you're gathering it up for yourself. Like you just, like that rich guy who's got these big bonds, you know. Always have a multi-generational vision in mind. Don't hoard it for yourself. Think about it. Because the key thing with that rich guy, the problem was, whose will these be? It's almost like God is saying, I'm not angry at you for having it. I'm angry that you're not stewarding it right. A better way to do it is set it up in such a way that it will bless society, it will bless your kids and your children's children. They won't have to buy cars or houses going to the bank because you were smart with it. You didn't hoard it up for yourself and die with all of it. This is not a game life where, you know, the person with the most toys wins. It's, this is not it. We're thinking about generations to come. Don't be distracted by it. You know, the thing about wealth and I see this often, is suddenly we get some money and like now we can't pray anymore or go to the church prayer meeting anymore. But when we broke, hey, we're there. Before the, before the doors are open, we're knocking. Can we come in and pray? But now we got some and it's like prayer is like for broke people. Ah, 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 ah. We get distracted by our wealth. Suddenly now it's, it's about this wealthy thing that we can do and this. And then like serving in church is now not so important because, hey, I'm CEO. Like, why should I be in kids' church or serving the family, the, the bride of Christ? Hey? Like suddenly we just, we're above that now. No. No. Amen? No. We need to have like people who are not afraid to, to be extremely successful in society and still, you know, be in the house of God and about the things of God and, you know, evangelism. Yeah. Evangelism. Amen, Benina. You know, like, like now we, we're wealthy, we don't need to evangelize. Like you're above sharing the gospel now because you've got more important business things. No. No, it's wrong. Okay? You've been distracted. Don't love it more than the things of God. Okay, so that's the summary of the New Testament's warning about wealth. There are some do's. This is what it says, do's about wealth. Trust God for supernatural provision for all your needs. There is, that's what we see in the New Testament, that we should trust God for supernatural provision. Believe that the blessing on Abraham is ours because of Christ. What we see is do business 
Use your gift. Do make a profit. Use your gifts. But use it to bless the poor and the saints and use it to further the gospel. Those are the do's of wealth in the New Testament. And I think when we get this right, we will walk in everything that God has for us. That land of milk and honey is our land in Durban. I'm telling you that now. That's Durban. Milk and honey, that's us right here in this place, people. Okay, but let's get these things right. Let's make sure that these things, because otherwise we go off, okay? There is no doubt when we look at the, the Bible, the New Testament, that the, that the gospel is the highest priority. So we see a number of wealthy people in the New Testament. They mentioned them, but they were all mentioned in what capacity they helped fund the gospel, whether it was providing for Jesus, the apostles, the poor, opening their homes, funding mission, mission trips. They were all honored because they aligned it with the gospel. So their wealth was channeled in the right direction and they were honored for that. So what can we conclude this morning? What, what theology can we walk out of here this morning with? I'm going to, I'm going to, I found something and it's just going to be so simple and so awesome for you this morning. Are you, are you ready for it? There's a punchline to the sermon if you like. Can you do a punch this morning? Boom. Okay, here, here comes the punchline to this one. What can we walk out with in our minds this morning when it comes to faith and finances? There was a man who lived not too long ago. His name was John Wesley. You heard about him? Great revivalist, preacher, excellent theologian, understood the scriptures really well. His sermons are really awesome. I've read them, okay? He said this when business people came to ask him about wealth and the Bible and money and what they should do. And he said this. He has a punchline. Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. That was his advice to them. Can you read that out loud? Earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. Mufudzi, won't you come here a second? Ayanda, won't you come here a second? Wada, come on, come on up here. Okay, we have give all you can, we have save all you can, and we have earn all you can up here this morning. Okay, yes, earn all you can, the economist, the missionary, and the business guy, saving. Okay, so <laughs> can you guys grab hands, stand three-way, like this, okay? And I want you to put your hands in the middle, like, and I, what I want you to do is get this picture here. L- pull back, lean back, like you're going to fall. Yeah, put your feet in the middle, but keep each other up. Okay, put your feet in the middle, and lean back, all right? Okay? Okay. Earn all you can is gaining momentum. (laughs) All right, so look at these guys. Hold it there, guys. This is a good picture of what your life should be like. If you're a New Testament believer, you should be, okay, pulling on this side. You should be, I want to try save all I can. But on this side, you want to be earning all you can. And on this side, you want to be giving all you can. And the three of these creates attention. And this is what your life should look like is that these are all in balance and pulling on each other. So that you're not, if you just keep going after this, what happens? You're going to crash. Okay? <laughs> See that? See that? If you just go after all, earn all you can, you're going to crash. Okay? And you're going to mess this New Testament blessing up. 
If you just try to go on the save all you can, all right, you're going to crash, all right, because you're not going to be earning enough and, and you're not going to be giving enough. And vice versa, if all you want to do is just give everything, you're going to, there'll be a crash. Eventually you'll be like, there's nothing to support what God's called me to do. Okay, so these are three tensions. Thanks, guys. Give them a hand. That <clears throat> so when I say this, earn all you can, what I'm saying is I believe the New Testament gives you full right to go out there and earn all you can for God. All right? Be creative. Be excellent. Work well. Make sure that you're in a place where you're getting the most for your labor. That you're getting a good return on your labor. So if your profession is to be an architect, this is what you need to do. Which architect earns the most? Where, Where is that position? That's what I need to be earning. If your job is to be an academic, for example, look at in the academia world, where do... I get the most for this labor and aim for that. That that's, I'm not saying quit your job or whatever or change your job. I'm saying let that be your only factor because you go according to what God says. But what I'm saying is have faith to be earning that much. Have faith that that's what you should be earning. Okay? Earn as much as you can. Is that wrong? No. Because you're in, you're in balance. Because as you're earning it, you're also saving it and you're giving it. What do I mean when save all you can? When you save all you can, what you're doing is you're being efficient, you're being frugal, and you're living a simple life. So ask yourself hard questions like, do we have to spend this much on our office? Do I really have to spend this much on vehicles or insurance? Can I decrease my cell phone contracts? Do I really need that extra pair of shoes? (laughs) I want to... The girls are like, yes. When it comes to shoes, it's just a standard yes. <laughs> Do you really? When you're saving all you can, what you're doing is you're drawing a line and you're saying, I can live here. And if it's above that, it's for giving, it's for sowing, it's for the kingdom. Paul said this. He said, with food and clothing, I'll be content. In other words, he drew the line. He said, I just want food and clothing, and that's it for me in this life, because that's what God had called him to as a missionary, okay? With food and clothing. Have you drawn a line where you content? Because otherwise, if more money comes in, that line just keeps going, and then it keeps going, and, and now I've got more capacity. I can get a bigger model, a higher version, or whatever, right? So it's important that we... We draw a line and we say, before God, this is where I'm, I'm content. This is where I'm going. And then after that, it's going to be savings. All right. And when I say give all you can, what I mean is be super generous. Have giving goals as much as you have earning goals. <laughs> so ask yourself the question, how much do you want to give God? How much does your business want to give to God? Is it just 10%? Or, or maybe in 2018, do you think, why not go to 12%? Why not go to 
hey, in three years' time, why don't you have faith to go to 40%, 50%? Why don't you set a 20-year or a 30-year life vision financial goal where you are giving 60% to God? That you have super generosity rooted in your heart. That you're living off 40 and 60% is funding the gospel and going out there. You know, when I was walking on campus many times, and kids, guys, kids, they're adults, they would come to like BFC and they'll give, get saved and give their lives to the Lord and stuff. And then I'll talk to them afterwards and I, and I always ask like, so how did you hear about the church? And, they, and some of them said, I saw the poster outside Marez and I came. Or I saw the poster on campus and then I came. And I walked away from that thinking, guys are getting saved because we put a poster up. His whole life, her whole life is completely changed because they saw a poster. And that made me think, well then, we should have the best posters. We should have the biggest, bestest, most amazing. Because you go on campus, you'll see the biggest, bestest posters are bash posters. Uh huh. Party posters. You know, the biggest ones should be, should be our ones. You know... We need to get to the point, people, where we start looking at our businesses and our income as funders for things like that. Well, you know what? I'm going to be responsible. I want to fund the gospel in this particular way. Well, one year on campus, we, we put out, we designed these cool posters that folded up into little books, and it was like testimonies and salvations, and it was all cool stuff in this thing. We printed thousands of copies, and we did a midnight delivery under every door. Okay, and they had quite a it had a huge stir on campus, but that was only possible because of I was mentioning it as a dream to some guy who wasn't even in this church, and I said, you know, we've got this goal. We, we're thinking of we just got this idea. We want to we want to get the gospel out, printed under doors, you know, and there it is in people's hands, and he said, I'll fund that. And so he spent back then it was more than ten years ago. He spent about fifteen thousand rand, which was quite a lot then to fund that thing going out. And I look at that and I'm thinking, this is how we need to start thinking. We need to earn all we can so that we can give all we can to the kingdom so that this gospel can prosper in the earth. Amen? Come, stand to your feet. I'm done. Amen. 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 Can we pray for a moment? I hope you're not mad at me. I hope, I hope this, this whole discussion on finance, I just want, you know, as a church, we're, no one's getting rich here. Okay, I can promise you that, all right? There's no secret agenda here at all. This is, this is just the Bible that we, we're studying it on a very important topic in our lives. Can you agree? Isn't this like one of the, the biggest things you think about in your life? Am I right? Yeah, it's one of the biggest things we're thinking about, yet often the church is really silent about it, okay? So, so we need to talk about this stuff. So what I want to do this morning is I want us just to close our eyes this morning and, and have a little moment, thank you, Luke, and just come before God this morning. And I don't know where you are, okay? I don't know where you're at, and maybe finances is a real issue for you right now. Maybe it's a struggle, it's a burden, and I kind of had that sense when I was preparing this, is that there's, there's a lot of burden here. There's a lot of like, 
man, really, you know, God, if you've really called me to prosper, then why am I struggling so much in my life? And why is this so difficult? And, and I think there's a lot of questions here this morning. And I want to just give you a little moment this morning just to receive the word. And this is God's word to you this morning, that he wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in health even as your soul prospers. That those dreams you have for your life were actually, they planted by him. Those dreams you have about like taking dominion and becoming all that God's called you to be and producing for the kingdom, that they planted there by him. And I want you just this morning just to receive that word this morning, that he knows you, that he has a plan for you, that he's going to get you out of the jam maybe that you're in right now. And he's going to lead you into a land that's large and you're going to be able to flourish. And the things you worry about now, you, you're not going to worry about them ever again. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help people this morning go through the process of having faith in your promises and in your word. This is just the start. This is the first step in our journey. Lord, I pray your help on every person here this morning. Father, would you come and help your people this morning? Lord, for those who are broken around finances, I just pray healing right now, Lord. For those who feel hurt and disappointed in this area, I pray healing right now. And I pray that their hearts would just be able to receive this word again this morning. For those who've had the word and then tried and ended up in the same place, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage this morning to persevere with the word. To pick it up again to believe it again, to look at the future with hope, to look at their life with expectation that you are going to intervene and that what you said you will do, you will do. Help your people this morning, I pray, Father. Spirit of God, will you come now and just breathe life onto this word. Heal every heart in this place this morning. May the Lord bless you. Can you raise your hands this morning? May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. The God of heaven and earth, may He bless you. May Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, the great and mighty, may He bless you. May He bless you indeed. May the blessing that was on Abraham come on you this morning. Lord, let the blessing come. 
May the Lord bless you. May He keep you from all the don'ts of wealth. May He keep you. May He keep your salvation. May He keep your life. May He keep your family. May He keep you as He blesses you. <laughs> May He keep you in every way from pride and arrogance and running after the things of this world. May He keep you in the midst of a crooked world, a materialistic world, a world that worships money. May He keep you. Lord, keep you. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. And may He make His face to shine on you. May His goodness come upon you. May His face and all that He is, His goodness, His nature, His love, may it come upon you this morning. May His favor come upon you. May He make His face to shine on you. And everything that you do, the Lord lift up His countenance upon you. Thank you, Jesus. Lifting up your countenance on your people. And may He give you peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you. May He lift up His countenance upon you. And may He give you shalom. In uncertain times, in, in tough times, in what the world is facing, may you walk with it shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. I don't care what the bank says. I don't care what the account says. I don't care the bills are piling up. I don't care. I have shalom. I have a Father in heaven. He will provide. He will make a way. It's coming on you right now. It's coming on you right now. Lord, release this blessing. It's coming on you right now. Into your body. Healing is flowing right now. Through your legs being healed right now. Your body, your insides, your organs, everything, your mind, your heart, be healed, be in health. Lord, let that blessing come, Lord. The blessing of health. Let your blessing flow, Lord. Every soul that's captive be set free right now in the name of Jesus. Anxieties and worries to go in the name of Jesus. Let your blessing flow in this place, God. Empower every, bris- every business, every family here, Lord. You give power to create wealth so that you can establish your covenant. We give you praise. We give you praise. Let's lift up praise.